podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The year is 2005. A young Rory Sean Crisquolo is leaving high school, rocking his Motorola Razor phone and his iPod Nano. And of course, Milan versus Inter in the Champions League semi-final. Well, guys, the wait is over. 2023, we get to run it back again. I really do need to find my Motorola Razor. Got to see where that is. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, guys, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. And hopefully, Rory, this time, this match doesn't get abandoned like that 2005 clash because, boy, was that flareific. Flair is yeah, very good. <laughs> Fingers crossed we actually get to finish finish it this time. Very quickly, everyone I know is being mobilized in Milan at the moment to try and get tickets for the intergame. We are all trying very, very hard. I woke up in the morning to a, a voice message from Tommy saying, Rory, this is what's happening. I'm like, right, good, okay, on it. Um, so hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to get tickets. But as a very quick flashback, Adam, where were you in 2005? I was but 15, 16, yeah. leaving school. Where were you? I was struggling on this one, but I did work it out. So it was a year before I was going into university. I was doing an art foundation at the BCUC University, which is the Bucks Chilton University College back in the day. It was it used to be referred nice. to as that. And uh, I had a part-time job at WH Smith's, which uh, oh. all the cool kids did. So, you know, selling oh, uh, one-pound chocolates on the side. I would definitely <laughs> well before their sell-by date. So uh, that's a note for anyone that still shops there. Do not eat the chocolate. That's all I can say. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, welcome to the show, guys. We have got a very, very packed show. We're going to take you through the headlines. But very first, the biggest headline of the week now long-term listeners will know i'm a big fan of grime music i love rap music love british rap music and there was some beautiful news this week as um <laughs> cassie's dead-esque rapper hidden identity his name is d-day diddy diddy i'm not sure how to say it yet he is apparently a premier league footballer wearing a mask now there's been a few conspiracy theories going around but before i go into who people think it is adam if you had to take a wild stab in the dark, who do you think is the least likely Premier League player that it's going to be? We've heard Sean Dyche. We've heard Graham Potter. Who do you <laughs> think it is least likely going to be? I'm going to put it out there. It's a different name that I gave you to offline. Jack oh. Grealish. I could definitely sense him do it. I could <laughs> feel him spit in a bar, Jack. <laughs> I think he'd get I could confused by his own lyrics, to be though. fair. I think he'd get confused by his own lyrics. But I was was hoping, or I do hope, that it's Ben Chilwell. Like, we've all seen that on his Instagram, he loves to rep himself. I've seen the picture of him, like, with his cap in the ends, and he's outside, like, a detached house (laughs) in Surrey, which I really did enjoy. So I do hope it's Ben Chilwell. But internet sleuths have been looking around, looking at the lyrics, um... In particular, a line, uh, I keep winning. They're going to put it in the papers. Um, all these clues and his name being Dide, D-I-D-E. People yeah. think it's Eddie and Ketia. Now, you can imagine how excited I am at the prospect of Eddie and Ketia. <laughs> I can see it already. I know I'm going to jinx it, but what I want to happen happens with Arsenal at the end of the season. That's the closest I'm going to say to it. And then in the celebration, 
Eddie comes out and does the song and rips the map off, the mask <laughs> off, the place would go insane. We can just hope, hope that happens. Fingers crossed. I don't know if we'll ever find out. Do you think we'll find out? I think it's going to be an enigma kind of feel mm. to it, doesn't it? It feels like it might not ever get released until maybe his premiership career doesn't last very long, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe one Yeah, of until they've retired, until they've left. I feel like the first yeah. time they had a bad game, the Daily Mail would be like, focus on football, and it would just be <laughs> yeah, all the headlines. Yeah. It would just be awful. Uh, Stop <laughs> rapping so, to the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, have you seen the influence on these young children? So I think it's probably yeah. a good idea that they do keep the identity secret. But I'm going to drop a bit of the song here. Switch sides swiftly, then I'm on side chipping. Catch me online, cause my team stay winning. You know how it is. They're gonna put it in the paper like which baller is this? I hold my face and wear the mask in the vids. I'm in control of the six. I got a belly when I'm stepping, no exposing the picks. I'm used to flash, so I know how it is. It is an absolute banger. I've already got it on my favorites list on my Spotify already. Been repping <laughs> it a lot. So the second we know, we will tell you who it is, guys. The second we know. But Adam. Yeah. We've got a super busy show today. Do. Um, do you want to tell us the headlines? Where are we going? What are we talking about? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, we were blessed by the Champions League. Uh, none other than the famous Napoli versus Milan tie, which we all were kind of hoping would kick off a Napoli revival. But uh, for those that were of a red and black persuasion, they pulled off a professional performance but meanwhile we'll also be discussing frank lampard and he's now truly understanding the true strengths of real madrid as they condemned them to another defeat and we start to question whether todd Bowley goes more sweeney todd on frank (laughs) but then we've also got man city uh, doing a professional job in munich it has to be said although it took two penalties one missed by man city and uh, another kind of controversy, shall we say, around handball and the intent, mm. shall we say. Um, but at least, Rory, we are guaranteed to have one Italian side in the final of this year's Champions League. So we'll be discussing this <laughs> and previewing the Serie A and Premier League fixtures over this weekend. So join us after this break. Here we are. It is time for the Champions League review and what a week. Now, I really did not know what I was hoping for. We're going to start with Milan-Napoli. Now, I've kind of switched in my head from I want Napoli to do well to no, I want Milan. I want to see Milan with both teams (laughs) and and just switching, switching, switching. I'm pretty happy, I'll be honest. Milan (laughs) having both teams in the semi-final. But before we talk about that, we need to get about how it happened and we're going to talk Mm. about it seemed like the turning point. Leal versus Ndombele. Leal versus Naples. Leal versus the world. As he turned the game again, he was crucial in the first leg. Crucial mm. in the second leg. It's a player that we've talked about for the first half of the season, really. Even a little bit post-World Cup, where he said, where is Leal? It's not the same player from last season. Yeah. It hasn't had the consistency. He's not had that real directness, that drive. But in the last couple of weeks... And like it's in the Milan squad in general, Pioli has managed to get a fire underneath them. Yeah. But Leal, we have seen a whole different side of him or a whole new side of him mm. this year. How impressed were you with him and how key was he to this Milan win? 
He's been key for last few weeks, as you allude mm. to. Um, but I think it's also the freedom of going back to tactics that maybe they were more aware of of how to play and how to get the best out of certain players. And Liao's certainly one that's benefited from this. Um, you've seen the resurgence in players like Diaz, for example. Krunic, we've mentioned uh, a few weeks ago about his performance against Napoli. Um, but I think what was most telling as well was we were expecting an onslaught on the defence, in particular Milan's defence, and they held spectacularly well, considering the kind of ramp up in terms of fireworks outside the hotel, mm -hmm. constant bombardment from the Napoli and slash Feyenoord fans, it's fair to say, um, and just everything they did to just put them off and deter them in terms of just making sure that their lives were terrible. But actually, it was the other way around. It was Napoli from a defensive point of view that were pretty poor on the night. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't helped by early injuries as well. So Mario Rui, as well as Politano, having to come off early. Um, and I think there was one scene on the bench that kind of sums it up for me. I can't remember which player it was, but they were on crutches. And it was like... <laughs> That's where Napoli are these yeah. days. They are they are pretty much mm -hmm. run down now, despite all of the early work of how spectacular they've been. Kvaratskhelia missing his penalty. I mean, there's so many talking points. But even to this point, I'm still hearing Napoli fans being a bit bitter about that particular tackle by Liao, where maybe the referee got the decision wrong, but then did VAR get that decision wrong I as well? think... I think that was a penalty. I think if we've seen like the the threshold that qualifies as a modern penalty, right? I think that is a penalty. I was surprised it wasn't given. I was really surprised it wasn't given. I don't like it would have turned it would have been a huge turning point in the game, of mm. course. Um, and I couldn't understand why Napoli fans are upset about that. But I think over the course of the two legs, you'd be hard pushed to say that Milan didn't deserve to go through. Um, I know it doesn't help like you want the just decisions you want an even yeah. playing field but I think like yeah I, I thought it was a penalty but it feels like what like you were saying at the moment it feels like everything that can go wrong for Napoli is going wrong um, they just need to concentrate now and get this league title done just don't yeah. just don't mess it up because now of course Juve have got their points back <laughs> yes, yeah. so like Napoli need to just get this this title race done now but I think as you said all the players are injured Two players off um, in the earliest part of this game. They're having to play an Osimhen who clearly isn't fit. Um, they've got Kvaratskhelia faces for the first time this season a player who's kept him quiet for 180 minutes. Calabria mm. was absolutely monumental in both games at just yeah. keeping Kvaratskhelia so quiet. Um, I think there was a part of it that was like you forget how young Kvara is. This is his. It's a big step up from the Georgian League to Champions League <laughs> quarterfinals, right? I feel like this is part of his development. I still think he had. He was in. He was very, very good in both games. He was mm. just unable to get that final product. He caused Calabria problems. I don't think Calabria is going home and going. Oh, that was an easy day at the office. Like he's been yeah. in a game, but Calabria was just incredible against him. I just think, yeah, everything that ha could go wrong has gone wrong for Napoli at the moment, um, and it was just poor timing. It was. It's weird because we've talked about the squad, how deep it is, mm. and how like they had these options off the bench, and how you know if someone wasn't scoring, they just throw Raspadori on and he'd score. Exactly. But I suppose that can only work for so long, right? And then if you're relying mm. on those second chance players rather than like as a little luxury, maybe it's less effective and less able to get the job done. But I want to talk about Milan as well, mm -hmm. because I think defensively, 
They were absolutely incredible. And I think mm. the second leg, they were always going to kind of, in quotes, park the bus and play counter-attacking course, football. Yeah. That's fine. It's a way to play football. It's a way to win games. It works, right, when you mm-hmm. do it well. But I think Kia and Tamori together yeah. were just absolutely incredible. Like, how impressed were you with the defensive performance? And then you throw in the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got someone that's so composed in Tamori. You've got the experience of Kiar, and then you've got magnificent Magic Mike behind you. I mean, it was incredible performance by all three of them. But I think what was telling, I don't know about you, but seeing Tamori go on a real run with the ball mm. in, I think it was the 86, 87 yeah, yeah, minute, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. in the third of Napoli's half and they're just kicking the ball and just playing it around. I think that kind of tells you the story of Tomori mm-hmm. and I think Tomori's had a very similar sort of season to Liao in some respects where there was some early stages where he wasn't to the same levels that he set from last season. There was some doubts about his performances yeah. as well and not being consistent enough and not being maybe strong enough as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think we've been saying it on Twitter, but he should be now in the England setup. It's on incredible. That that it's incredible that he's not even considered for yeah. any squads or not even to be considered for the first 11. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely bonkers when he's relying on Harry Maguire, who I'm sure we will talk about later on in the show. We're going to talk, we're but... going to get to him. Yeah. <laughs> get to him. But um, yeah, let's go back to Milan. Fantastic performance from that defense. They knew their duties. They knew what they had to do. But as you say, when you come to these kind of crunch games, it's not about playing the niceties of football. It's about getting results, really. And I think they did it fantastically well. Pioli has done really well against Napoli. I mean, to think Mm -hmm. over the four attempts that they've had, they've won in three of them this season. He conceded one goal. Exactly. It's it's insanity. It is insanity. Against a team in in Napoli that are absolutely running away with the goal difference, let alone the league. Like Their goal difference compared to other teams is through the roof. And for Pioli to be able to defensively keep them quiet is insane. Again, they were were fortunate with the first... I think they're still fortunate with the state of Osimhen in those games, but still incredibly uh, an incredible defensive performance. And we're going to go straight from that, I think, incredible defensive performance for Milan um, to Inter. (laughs) So not quite the incredible defensive performance. I think this is what makes the lineup in the semi-final um, so interesting. And we're going to come to that after we discuss this game. Mm. But Inter, Pazza Inter is still (laughs) definitely there. Uh, They managed to make a game where they were fairly comfortable slightly uncomfortable. It still looked like they were going to get through. They were never really in danger, but throwing away a 3-1 lead to make it 3-3 in within 10 minutes is quite impressive. Um, But before we slag off Inter, Correa scored. um, And Inter striker scored from open play. Mm -hmm. Um, There was lots of positives in this game for Inter. Um, I've kind of put it in the headline here, but Barellaina, Ballerina, Barellaina, um, he absolutely danced through the midfield in both ties, ran yeah. the game. Um, how impressed were you with Inter and who jumped out to you the most as the key um, yeah, players? He, I mean, I think they, there was some really outstanding performances, but Di Marco for me was just oh. the pinnacle of it. I feel mm. like, although there's a lot of plaudits to Bar- Barella and you know, he does that consistently, I think, yeah, most yeah, yeah. most weeks, to be fair. But I think 
DeMarco just purely because he hasn't been of his normal game in recent weeks as well. And I think that was a spectacular performance, especially in the face of a Benfica side that we were expecting to maybe push this game or push the tie a little bit more in their favour. And they, you know, fair dues. I think they were just probably the first leg put it out of them. And we have to also put context of they've lost three on a trot in the league. They were 10 points clear of Porto. They're now down to four points. And yeah, I think that's probably on their minds as well at the moment. So, you know, despite the late comeback, I kind of felt Inter was still comfortable. Even mm-hmm. at that point, even when it was 3-2 and then it was 3-3, I still felt, you know what, Inter just taking their foot off the gas right now. Yeah. Um, but yes, there, there is definitely contrast in terms of the play when it comes to Inter versus Milan, when it comes to this semi-final. And I, I've already heard a lot of people kind of write off Inter. I always feel like it's, write it's, off Inter at your peril. Yeah, Write them off at your peril because it's, it means nothing, especially in these games. Absolutely yeah, nothing. we we're going to get onto the semi final. I just very quickly want to want to mm. point out, like, yeah, I think Inter what they're seeing is kind of it must be frustrating for Inter fans because you can see that when the team is focused, they can make they can play incredible football. They can put put to bed a team like you said that we were expecting so much more from. They now need to turn that focus on for Serie A because, as we just said, Juventus have got their points back and now yeah. Milan and Inter are both out of the Champions League spot. So Inter really need to switch that focus. I think this is a performance and this is a, a mood around the change room that could really give them a positive end into the mm. season of like, right, this is how good we are, guys. This is what we can do. I thought players like Bastoni, again, having those marauding runs. Barella is just... I was like, I've been saying it for years, but if there's a midfielder, if there's a player in Serie A that they could say, right, you can pick one player from Serie A for Arsenal to sign, Barella would be the player where I'm like, yeah, I'll just take him, please. Because he just <laughs> does everything. And he's such a beautiful footballer to watch. The goal he scores is incredible. I just absolutely love him as a player. Off the pitch, he seems like an absolute legend. I just love the guy. And I love that... It's annoying that it takes for teams to get to these big stages for people to realise how good players are. Mm. But I love that he's getting his plaudits and that people outside of Italy are going, yeah, this guy is a world-class midfielder. Yeah. Like, he is a world-class midfielder. Next to hit Milinkovic-Savic, he's the best midfielder in the Serie A. Like, mm. And I think it's great to see him finally getting his plaudits. But we can talk about the semi-final. Oh, my God. The whole city, the mood has just changed, honestly. Every student I'm talking to is just shitting themselves i was talking to <laughs> i was talking to my milan support supporting fans before the game actually i was talking to him before the semi before the quarterfinal and i said oh are you supporting benfica or are you supporting inter like do you mm. want to play inter in the semi-final and straight away he was like i don't want inter in the semi-final i was like right okay why wow. he's like if we play inter we lose He's like, there is no way we beat Inter in a Champions League semi-final. He said, it's just not happening. Like, the Milan fans are so sure that Inter will just shit house their way through it, at least the ones <laughs> that I've talked to. Yeah. Um, and my other student made a really good point. He said, when we when they last won it in 2005, when Milan okay, won it, yeah. they beat Inter in the semis and Juve in the final. And I never put the dots together. And he was wow, like, of course. so what we've got, one, can you imagine how amazing that is as a Milan fan to beat yeah. Inter and Juve to win the Champions League? Like Christ alive. But he said, we've got to do it again. We've just got to beat Inter and then we'll win the final. So there's kind of, you know, the, <laughs> the, the realistic and the optimistic, I right. suppose. But in terms of this clash of styles, you've got the super defensive, well, not super defensive, defensively, strong 
Milan against the yeah. chaotic Inter. <laughs> yeah. How do you see these semi-finals going? I think it will go down to the day. I, I know that mm. really sounds very vague and not really putting my flag in either <laughs> half, but I, I genuinely feel this is one of those where it could go either way. And mm. it, it, it's purely, this is the thing, prior to this form, he's always been one of those that I've never been too sure when it comes to these kind of derby games he's never really come across as being strong or like astute in those games he's always mm -hmm. i've always felt like inzaghi's always had the better of him the only difference is and we've said this about inzaghi once there's a plan that doesn't go to the way he wants it to he doesn't have many ideas of how to turn it around mm -hmm. so it really will depend on his players being the spark being that creative flair now I feel like with Inter, they should have enough on the day to kind of do something over Milan. But I, f I feel like it will be one of those tense affairs where maybe it's a draw going into the second leg. So then it's up for grabs for anyone to really take favour. And I think what may go into Inter's favour is that they'll have their Inter faithful with them mm -hmm. for the second leg. Whereas, obviously, Milan have got to make that first game really count. So I think there'll be a lot of pressure on the Milan players. And I think that's that's the difference. It's, it's going to be who's going to be better against those atmospheres. Um, Milan have proved it against Napoli, but I feel this atmosphere where it's your local rivals as well, that really changes the dynamic of the game as well. So... Mm. Wait, what about you? I mean, I've said very vague things at the moment when we're talking about this, but you've got a pulse on the city itself as well. So um, how's your feel, head feeling? Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I think I can see Inter in the final. I can just see Inter in the final. I don't know. I think we've, we've talked about how good Inzaghi is in cup competitions. Mm. Like he's really, he's now, you know, won 75%, over 75% of his cup matches. I think we've seen that he's really able to focus this team on this competition. And when they have a goal in mind, they're able to do this. I think Milan, we've seen an upturn in general, right? Their, their, their form in the league has got a bit better, still inconsistent, yeah. but a bit better. Milan has just, Inter has just completely dropped off a cliff, but they're focused on the oh. Champions League. And I think that is why I just think they're going to have a little bit more because they're obvious, I think they're just a little bit more focused on it. And these semifinals come down to little things like that. Yeah. I think it could actually be a bit of a. Uh, I think there could be a lot of goals. I feel like we okay. could see a lot of goals because I think once, let's say, Inter score an early goal, I think Milan have to come out then. You can't be sensible. Mm. The, the, the emotion is going to be there. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. I think we could see like some wild wild scenes in these games i think it's just i'm super excited super super excited about this i like it's not often you get derbies in you know yeah. this late in competitions and the milan derby is one of the biggest in the world like it's as exactly. big as real barca is as big if you know yeah. what I mean? it's a huge derby so i think the emotion around it's going to be huge but i think i'm just I'm just backing into, and that's just because I've got Tommy on my shoulder going, you cannot back me. <laughs> like, but I really, really, I also hope him to do it. I really hope him to do it because I would love, I'd love to be able to celebrate that. It would be incredible. Mm. Um, so an exciting game in prospect. We've got a few weeks to wait. We've got a few weeks to wait, <laughs> but the build up is going to be absolutely beautiful. And, 
Come the 9th of May on Tuesday mm. evening, I'll be in a bar in Milan or maybe in the stadium. I'll let you know yeah. as the game kicks off. And I cannot, cannot wait. Incredible. But that's enough on the Milan derby, Inter and Milan. I think we need to go to the other games, which honestly I didn't really care about. <laughs> I was so focused on Milan and Inter. <laughs> I kind of bet I slightly saw the highlights and kind of forgot they were happening. But let's look at... <laughs> City or City? Let's go for them first, yeah. very quickly. City, absolutely ruthless. Um, a bit better from Bayern this time. Yeah, um, I definitely. think they made a bit more of a game of it. Uh, Haaland missed a penalty, but then, of yes. course, he scored anyway, uh, <laughs> as he does. Yeah. Um, Adam, take us through the game, because I've only seen some highlights. <laughs> so, all I would say is, yeah, Bayern did definitely come into this game a lot more than they did in the first leg. Uh, Leroy Sane having a chance within 16 minutes where he was one-on-one with Edison and he kind of dings it over him, but it's far too wide in terms mm. of hitting the target. So, there was the early warning signs there, but kind of Man City do what they do best, which is keep hold of possession. And they were just kind of dancing around that kind of area. And Haaland wasn't necessarily getting into this game, but then there was a controversial kind of move that maybe set it off. So Upper Meccano was almost sent off for what looks like a lunge, but the um, linesman flagged it off as being offside against Haaland. So the referee rescinded that red card and that kind of Mm. sparks a bit more of a kind of, okay, there's a bit of threat here going on. And then from then that moment onwards, there was a period of passage of play essentially that I think it was Grealish gets a shot on goal and Upper Meccano does this strange thing where he puts his hands behind his back, but then he gets one arm out and the Mm. ball kind of strikes him, but very faintly, not with intent or anything like that, but the referee decides to give it as a basically a penalty on the basis that VAR couldn't make the decision at the time as well. Um, so, yeah, that was a strange one. But Haaland blasted it over to the during Munich faithful um, come out the second half. And then Haaland's put through based on a passage of play for Bayern Munich. So they're attacking mm. at one end and Edison has to make this kind of like kind of pushed kind of save to make sure that it doesn't trickle over the line. Then John Stones just whacks it as he does. And uh, it goes to the other end. Harland gets knocked down. Jack Grealish then releases him through. And it was really pretty much done by that moment onwards. So he dinks it over Summer and the goal. And um, yeah, I suppose then it was a really soft penalty the other way. So Akanji is a judge to have handballed a ball that, basically is a floated cross, but it's nowhere for Kanji to put his arms away or anything like that. And uh, Joshua Kimmich replies, um, but it's too late really by that stage. Mm. I think Man City have pretty much controlled it and uh, they see themselves into the semi-finals and they face Real Madrid, Rory. Um, but I don't think there's much you could draw on this result apart from, you know, a bit more credit for Bayern Munich as a result of this mm. game. Um, something for maybe Thomas Tuchel to kind of build on in the summer. He knows where the weaknesses are. I think up top is a big one, really. Mm. Um, Sadio Mane did play in this match. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that spat is all over with. But I think the key concentration for Bayern is how do they move on some of the kind of players without disrupting the core, if that makes sense. Because 
Yeah, it a feels lot of that like team's it... been around for a long time, mm. eh? Like a lot of that team's been together for a very long time. They've had a lot of success together. Yeah. So I think it's not necessary. I don't think you need like this overreaction of like right pull it all apart and start again no. i think they're still like i know it's a bit closer in the bundesliga than it has been for the last couple of years but i think the standard and the teams are improving there yeah, um but i think yeah it doesn't need this like root and branch reform i just think it needs to call to needs time to put in what he wants to put in right mm. i think he's going to have money he's going to be able to get who he wants to get um but i think it was just a really badly timed appointment i just think if I you can't tell me that if Nagelsmann was in charge, that isn't more of a contest. Like, yeah. I I think that that I'm not saying Bayern Munich go through. I'm not saying City go through. I'm just saying it is. It would have been much closer than it was because you had the continuity. Yeah. You wouldn't have had all that noise exactly. around it. I think even Tuchel coming in last minute potentially leads into that spat in the changing room where players are fighting for places halfway yeah. through the campaign. I think it's all this noise around the club, right? And I think they've probably just really badly timed it and almost mm. thrown away the Champions League this year because I think Bayern Munich definitely had a shout at it. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Like, they're always, whenever you see them in Europe, you go, oh, they could win it. <laughs> like, every <laughs> time you go, oh, they could definitely win it. So I yeah. think, yeah, badly timed choices from them. Uh, but for City, another semi-final they seem to always be in the champions league semi-finals right they do I think it's like a, they've been in a lot i think did i see somewhere real madrid have been in 11 in the last 15 years which is mental yeah um but i think city aren't that far behind them i think they're like they're in a few in a row now um mm. but before we get on to where we see that tie going and how we predict yeah. that tie let's go over to west london where Frank Lampard discovers the real truth about the standard of football in Europe. Um, <laughs> and let's start with the lineup. The lineup was fascinating. Um, it seemed to have six defensive midfielders, five <laughs> midfielders, and a striker, from what I could figure out. Um, it was an incredibly defensive lineup, um, but it seemed to be working. It seemed to be doing a good job. The, Chelsea got off to a really good start. Um, there was a good pressure. Um, Real Madrid didn't really get much time on the ball. Chelsea were creating chances. But then, guess what happens when you only play defensive-minded players? When you create the chances, there's no one there to score them. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, half a good idea from Lampard. Do we give him marks for the upturning performance? The atmosphere was definitely better at the bridge. I think there was definitely an improvement in terms of that performance. Um but as you allude to, you've got players like Kante that is leading the attack. And yeah, that for a me mad, is a bit, yeah. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I've seen it. I can't remember which Premier League match it was, but I saw Kante leading kind of that attack. And it seems a bit odd, but also at the same time, it makes maybe sense. I suppose he's the most likely to kind box. of create something. Yeah. Um, but he's not the one you want on the end of things. That's the difference. I no. suspect you want someone <laughs> like a Mason Mount to be striking yeah, the ball yeah. as opposed to that. But then he probably doesn't merit or merit it on performances of mm. late anyway. So um, I think it just goes down and boils down to the age-old issue, which is that they've got a load of midfielders. They've got no strikers, really. Yeah, um, yeah. But then this is the thing. Does it necessarily need to have a striker? You probably just need someone that doesn't mind being kind of the bully, essentially, and you know does a Didier Jogba to an extent where yeah, they just yeah. like hold up the ball, maybe doesn't score as many goals, but can then let the other players go around him. And I think that's maybe what they're missing because I think they've been so focused on having a prolific 
number nine, haven't they? Yeah. And we know the history of number nines at Chelsea. It just <laughs> doesn't necessarily work. It doesn't go way. well. It doesn't yeah, work yeah. well. So I think there is some logic in the way they're doing it. But Kai Havertz isn't the answer. No. He's someone that needs to come off a targeted kind of mm-hmm. striker and feed on those balls. I think he proved it when he was at Leverkusen, right? So yeah, he, yeah. he's he's a good player. But I think, again, it's just he's trying to get a rhythm at the moment as well. I wanted to pull out this, that though, Rory. So Frank Re- Frank Lampard has set a 118-year record of not winning a game in the first four matches in charge of Chelsea. So... Um, yeah, it's it's not nice, and I I wonder. Do you think he's ruining his legacy at Chelsea by going back there? Because it feels the more that they have these defeats, the more they're getting dragged into the lower half of the league. The more Todd Bowley's like, well, what, what's this guy doing? I could see him being sacked before the end of the season or being let off I, of his duties, right? <laughs> I think Todd Bowley just paying out like a charity fucking contract payouts at this point. <laughs> like, um, I, I think what could actually be a bigger issue for Frank Lampard is not how he does as a manager. I think he could be seen as a bit of a company man. And the Mm. fans have more of an issue with the owners. And I think if Lampard is that willing to be that yes man who like Chelsea have just turned down or apparently stopped talking to Luis Enrique because he's not happy to just let Todd Bowley interfere and be involved in things. I think Chelsea are going to see that with a lot of managers. And maybe the one manager who will allow that to happen is Frank Lampard. I think he could be end. He could end up being seen as a bit of a company man for a company that the Chelsea fans clearly don't like and aren't happy yeah. with. Um, it is such so. It's just such a mad case what is going on in Chelsea. But I think going back to the striker point that you made, I think they've weirdly they've got that player in the squad. It's just he's been injured the entire season. Armando Broja would have been perfect yeah. for that role. I think, like. It would have almost been like a, a, a solution they stumbled upon. Like the player they haven't yeah. spent hundreds of millions on is exactly the player <laughs> they need, but he's yeah. injured. So I think for next year, it could be a player that comes in for Chelsea and has a really big season. We saw how good he was at Southampton. Definitely like an exciting striker. So I think Chelsea will be looking at him and going, okay, get him fit next year. We've got a bit of a focal point. If they don't want to then go and spend 300 million on Joao Felix, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah. Weird one. Real, anyway. Real through two goals. Rodrigo fairly comfortable in the end. It's just what they do, isn't it? Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, it seems every year it seems mental to me that their owner wants to get rid of. He wants to join the Super League and get rid of the Champions League for a club that seems to just be obsessed and the best at the Champions League. Um, is there any stopping them? Are they just going to win it again? I think if you look at how they're playing, and one player I want to really call out is Valverde. Valverde oh, just what a player. He's a player that goes under the radar because yeah. of the other players like Benzema, Modric, etc. But he really proved his worth on the He's night. He was like incredible, that. and that composure to set up Rodrigo for the second one. I mean, that just shows you what a talent he is. Uh, I, I just. Like envious a bit that mm-hmm. Real Madrid have got him to yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's just made, managed to just pluck him and we're not even talking about players like Camavinga for example I mean th- there's another player there that could do an incredible job for Real for years to come as well so this squad despite the fact that we always rate the older players in this squad 
They've got some fascinating younger players. And Vinicius Jr. just looks incredible every season that I see. But he just seems to get more mature with the ball. I, I just, yeah, I feel like this is the point where Ancelotti might kind of go, I've done my duties now. And then that might be the, maybe the stumbling point for Real Madrid, because who do they go out and get? Like, mm. as a man, like, there's not a lot of managers out there that they can go out and say, you're the best in that area. You fancy a challenge right now because yeah, who, who would you go for if you had to replace Ancelotti right now? I don't think there's a better manager out there, really. If you're not going, you're not going to get Pep. <laughs> like no, you're not. I think maybe you could see, and I know it's not been going well for him this season, but I could definitely see Klopp at Real. I could definitely see Real getting Klopp and being like, let's let this guy give him mm. unlimited money and see what he does. Like, I think I could definitely see Klopp getting approached. Rio Ferdinand is making up stories about Mikel Arteta getting <laughs> approached by Real Madrid. So, mate, okay, cool, right, yeah, fine. Um, but I think Real are definitely, I, I think Klopp, you might see um, get an approach. That's going to be okay. my outside shout. But I think you're right, there aren't many candidates at the moment where you think they're going to go for them. But then once Real come knocking, people just leave. Like, because mm. it's Real Madrid. Like, yeah. every kid everywhere dreams. If they're dreaming of being a footballer, they dream of it at Real Madrid, right? That's yeah. the peak. Yeah. So I think they could just get frigging anybody because that's who they are. But yeah. it'll be interested to hear they get. It's sad that they kind of want to move on from Carlo, but I kind of get it as well. I would like, as much as I, like, you know, there's nice stories everywhere in football, yeah, right? Of course. And for Ancelotti to win the Champions League and then leave, like, win it again and then leave would just be like, you know, the cherry on the cherry on the cherry on top kind of exactly. thing is Real Madrid legacy, I think. Um, but City Real, um, obviously City threw this away in the last 30 seconds mm. last year. Um, absolute classic, like City, old City performance there. Yeah. How do you see the semi-final going? You got Haaland coming up against them this time. That this player, that, like I remember us talking about it this time last year and saying Man City are missing that striker. If they had that striker, that game is finished. Now they have that striker. Do you think he's going to be the difference? Yes, I think he will be. I think there'll be definitely a much more, say, open game again. I think there's definitely that to be played. And I, I think it'll be who's got the better will on the day, who's got the better intensity on the day. Because um, both sides can switch it on. That's the thing. And it almost feels like even if Real go behind, they'll still come back into this match. We've said this before with Real Madrid, but equally with Man City, you can't write them off. So I feel th there's one or two areas that I feel are to be exploited with Man City. So one being their left-hand side. They they don't really have a recognised left-back. So we know at the moment it seems to be they're playing Laporte down there. And that seems a bit dangerous perhaps because I don't think if you expose them for pace like a Rodrigo or Vinicius Jr., they could get found out down there. And we also know about Edison as well, not necessarily being stable all the time. Um, he can have a ricket in him. So it, it could go the way of a really, really exciting match, I feel. Um, mm. But yeah, Man City definitely have a better shout than ever before to overcome this Real Madrid. So it almost feels like this should be more of a final than a semi-final necessarily, because I feel that's what it feels like. But mm. you're at this stage of the competition. It doesn't matter who you've got to play. Sometimes you've got to face these big teams to get into the final. And um, yeah, let, let's see if Noel Gallagher 
gets his wish and plays Inter in the final because he's been oh. slagging off Inter. I don't know if you saw this, but I did see it. Let's get a big old humble pie ready for Liam yeah. Gallagher because what I think happens is City beat Real, right? They get through. Yeah. They beat Real. They think, right, it's ours. We've beaten yeah. the Kings of Europe. Come on. And then they lose 1-0 to Inter. And <laughs> yeah. I can absolutely see it. And the whole football world will explode in anger at the anti-football <laughs> that Inter play. And we'll sit here and piss ourselves <laughs> at the fact that Inter have just beaten City in the final. Scored by a Cherubi as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Cherubi in the third minute from a corner and then they did sod all the rest of the game. And I think it's just, it's what we need. It's what we need. I think, um, yeah, I can definitely, definitely see it happening. Um, I did like Inzaghi replied to him as well and was like, oh, he's a good singer. I hope he's as good at predicting the future, which I think is a really, <laughs> really nice, um, really nice way to reply to it. Um, good. So exciting semifinals coming up. Yes. God, I love the Champions League. I can't wait for Arsenal to be in it next year as long as we don't get <laughs> embarrassed. I really, really love this yeah. competition. We Listeners, we are recording now. It is one minute past 11 in Italy. So the game's have just finished um we're gonna start with the cool kids club in the europa league uh now adam i just need to check united aren't in the title race anymore right they're not in the title race anymore I need no, to check that okay not, no. okay but the treble's still on right the treble's still on they can still do three let me just check the score oh talking of threes sevilla three manchester united nil five two <laughs> on aggregate they go out um, sorry, I am delighted about that. But this was really over the two legs. Manchester United defence against Manchester United and Manchester United <laughs> lost. Um, now, t- talk us through the first goal that they gave away against Sevilla because this was some incredible... Have you seen it? I have seen it. And I, I think I alerted you to this passage of yeah. play. So there was basically a back pass towards the goalkeeper, David De Gea, and... Um, as you can imagine, Sevilla are putting a lot of pressure on the defence. They know that's where the weakness is. Uh, in particular, we know about the kicking skills of De Gea. So he decides to pass it to Harry Maguire, who just happens to be essentially being chased down by two Sevilla players. And yes. instead of perhaps maybe just booting it or just getting rid of the ball, he decides to kind of softly pass it or attempt to pass it back to De Gea, gets intercepted. And I think it's N Nesri just yeah. blasts it past the hair. The hair is just standing there trying to pretend it wasn't his fault. And Maguire just <laughs> yeah. absorbing the rest of Looking the world's at the hate at him, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was the start of it. And unfortunately, Whoa. we started to then record our pods there. I do have so. to say, though, I do have to say, I'm splitting the blame 50 50 because yeah. Maguire calls for the ball. And yes. I think now, between, like, Jesus Christ, if there's two people, on a pitch at the moment, I don't want making a decision. It's De Gea and <laughs> Harry Maguire. To have them both exclusively involved in that one decision is an absolute nightmare. And they're both relying on each other to make the right decision and make the right decision themselves. Yeah. Absolute mess. But I think Maguire shows for the ball. I think De Gea probably panics and goes, okay, fine. You think you can deal with it? Deal with it. And Maguire massively obviously doesn't deal with it. It yeah. just, I, I feel like Maguire needs to go on like, he just needs a really big holiday. Can you do a sabbatical in football <laughs> where you just take a year off? I feel like he just needs to take a year off, go yeah. sit on a beach somewhere, forget about football, think about life, think about other things, and then come back 
and just go again. I feel like he's not as bad as he is at the moment. Like, at Leicester, he was a very good centre-back. Like, I just feel like he's been kicked in the balls repeatedly for five years, and now it's just this skeleton of a man who's playing football. He just needs a break and a fresh start. Like Maybe he just needs to go back to Hull City and just reborn just or rebirth himself and basically yeah. just go again, you know, at a lower level where he can build up his confidence again and then get that move again. And then maybe when Man United are knocking on the door, he goes, no, I'm too good for you. He can spend another 80 million on it. It can't. It it surely can't happen again. It can't happen again. Yeah, it's. I feel just, I'm starting to feel really bad for the guy. David De Gea, it is hilarious that United have just offered him a new contract. Absolutely hilarious. Just how are they not getting a new keeper? Anyway, um, Sevilla go through. Fantastic for them. Yeah. Relegation battle in a European semi-final. Only severe. <laughs> only severe. Or West Ham. Or West Ham. Oh, yes, there is that. Um, there is so that. that is the first one of the Europa League games. Elsewhere, Roma Feyenoord is currently in extra time. Roma went 2-1 up. Um, Spinazzola scoring one to make it 1-0. Feyenoord equalising in the 80th minute before Dybala mm. got an equaliser on aggregate in the 89th minute to take it to extra time. That is currently still playing. You will know how that went, guys. Leifekusen beat Union Saint-Gilles 4-1 and mm-hmm. Juventus are through 2-1 on aggregate after beating Sporting. Well, after drawing one all. Rabiot getting yeah. another goal. Another huge yeah. goal for him. Big season for Adrian. Mm. And there's rumours that Rabiot might be going to Liverpool. I don't know if you've seen r- rumours of this, Rory, but apparently it sounds like they cannot go the full length with Bellingham. So they're turning mm. to a free transfer in Adrian Rabiot to be that midfield maestro. Now, his season has been impressive, but both you and me know and the listeners know that this is a false dawn. He's, He's playing for a contract. Rabiot He's playing for a contract. Exactly. He did He's it doing on an the last season at PSG as well. Before yeah. he left, he was playing for that contract and instead his mum gets involved and talks to Pavel Nedved and gets a contract. So he's going to be talking to Jurgen Klopp, gets himself and probably 10 million a season, I reckon. It's going to be something like that, isn't it? Easily. Easily. And then um, probably end up on the bench because Jordan Henderson will be ahead of him, probably. That's my (laughs) guessing anyway. It's going to be something like that. that. I think you got that pretty much spot on, to be fair. But he is doing a classic Adebayor and just playing for the last year and just get get that pay rise. Okay, there we go. Right, (laughs) see you in three years. Um, That is classically what he's doing. So the Europa League semifinals are going to... They need to be decided, apparently. Uh, TBD. Are they? Oh, I've got it on here. So Juventus are going to play Sevilla. And the winners of Feyenoord versus Roma will play Bayer Leverkusen. So, uh, yes. Interesting. Paul Pogba is probably still dancing. That's all I can say. I... I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So we've got, well, yeah, Sevilla against Juventus. You fancy Juventus to go through that, right? You'd expect it to be, but I still mm. feel you've, uh, Sevilla have got pedigree, haven't they? They've yeah. got historic pedigree when it comes to this competition. Um, and like you've alluded to, they probably could get relegated, but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if the, they go on and win it, basically. I'd be in the Champions League next <laughs> yeah. year. First, second division team to play in the Champions League, possibly. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed. That would be nice. Um, no Unai Emery this time, though, for them. They they beat Inter in the final as well, didn't they, Sevilla? Was that Sevilla? 
Yeah, um, yeah, I think so, yeah. They'd be entering the final, don't they? Nice. And in the even cooler kids club, uh, before mm. we do our weekend previews, I promise, we have Adam Lech Poznan. We said you said they were playing for pride. You said they were as long as they didn't lose by a humiliating amount, it was fine. Well, they won in Florence 3-2. They go out, but that is a out. hell of a way to go out. But at one point, it was 2-0 Rory. It was 2-0 oh. to Lech Poznan. Oh. And can you imagine? Can you imagine? I think there was some optimism going into it. I, I knew they would give it a go. That's, let's put it this way. I just didn't anticipate them to be that easy in terms of gaining goals and scoring quite by look of things, Fiorentina just switched off. I think they had their minds in the semi-final as opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. concentrating on the job in hand. So maybe a good wake-up call for this uh, Fiorentina side who have been on a spectacular run of form, it has to be said. Yeah. But yeah, they probably didn't look at this and think that Lech Poznan could pull it out of the bag. And uh, yes, if it wasn't for the goal that they conceded Lech Poznan, there could have been a bit of run towards those last kind of five minutes. But unfortunately, Kusheshvili gets the mm. important second goal. And he's a guy that's really doing it at the moment. I really like that guy. So, uh, fair yeah, fair play. But yeah, Fiorentina are few, few, through even, sorry, words not coming out. Um, Poznan doing really well to get to this stage. Nice. Elsewhere, we do have AZ Alkmaar. They won 2-0 against Anderlecht and mm. then won on penalties 4-1. Um, Matt Ryan of Arsenal fame saved a penalty wow. from to- ex-Tottenham Jan Vertonghen, which is beautiful to see. <laughs> so North London still very much is red, even in the Conference League. Love to see it. So AZ Alkmaar make it through. For a Dutch team that I, I always remember, it, they won the league like randomly in the other division. And ever mm. since they've kind of been mid-table trying to get back there again. Good to see them back in Europe. And elsewhere, um, Nice were 1-0 up, but now it's they in were. extra time. And Basel are now... No, it's two... full time. Full time. Is it it's finished now? I've got the 100 Bas- second Bas- minute. Basel have won it. They've gone through 3-4 on aggregate. Damn, man, it looked like the, I was, you know, what? I was already dreaming of an Aaron Ramsey uh, European Cup. Yeah. And that's why, that's why it's not happened. Aaron Ramsey no. is destined to never really be fully happy, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but incredible for Basel, um, incredible turnaround there. Tough place to go, Nice. And yes. elsewhere for the Anglo focus, West Ham 4, Ghent 1. It looked like West Ham were in trouble as Ghent took the lead 1-0. But Mikel Antonio double Pakita and Rice scoring gets West Ham another relegation battle and a, a European semi-final. Do mm. you think now we were talking off mic, we yes. think it's gonna be a West Ham Fiorentina final. Do you just do you still feel that way? Yeah, I I, I, I expect it to be. And mm. uh yeah, I think West Ham have got to take this cautiously because yeah, AZ Alkmaar aren't a side to kind of mess around with, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it's fair to say. But They've got potential to go through, I think, just based on quality alone. But that's the same we said about Fiorentina against Lech Poznan. So, you know, they only need to take their eyes off the ball. And then, yeah, you never know. But I totally anticipate that to be a Fiorentina and West Ham final in Prague, where I'm expecting Tom to be living at large in many sinks. Is, is that true? Yes, quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, but before we go to our weekend preview, I do very quickly need to say, 
the the news came today. Good times, bad times for Italian football. So very quickly, Adam, just a little chat on good times. A European, uh, an Italian team definitely in a European uh, in a Champions League final. Yeah. Fiorentina looking like they could get to the Conference League final. Roma at the moment still in the Europa League. Yeah, good times in Italy, bad times in Italy. Unless you're a Juve fan, Juve points are given back. They are now up yep. to third. They're on fifty four point fifty nine points, um, back in sec in third place. Mm-hmm. Now it feels to me like they've dodged a bit of a bullet here because yeah. a a points deduction now would obviously mean probably no Champions League, less money in the future, harder to deal with. Whereas Champions League now and punishment next year gives them more time and more money to deal with whatever is coming up. Do you think this feels a bit convenient? Does it feel a bit classic? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think they've got their best lawyers on the case, haven't they? And I I suspect most of that money that they earn this season will go towards those lawyers as well, to be fair, um, because they've done an amazing job to get them out of this mess. Um, But yeah, it it does stink of hypocrisy. I, I feel like... It's just down to the technicalities that they've mm-hmm. got out on this because it's basically the evidence being seen as potentially flawed here and therefore it has to go through another stage of trial and understanding because also there's the implications of there's more than just Juventus that are in this yeah. kind of yeah, financial yeah. gain position. Uh, Napoli is indicated, Milan have been indicated, well. Lazio. Yeah, yeah. So there's a number of clubs. So... Again, it's going to be a case of interpretations being utilized mm-hmm. potentially in this case. Um, but yeah, probably not helped by Moji doing his Rai rendition as well. So, yeah, this I is think, the yeah, gone. I also think the most interesting thing is that these points have been taken away, Nedved's ban has been reversed, but all the decision makers, their bans have been upheld. So the people who were making the decisions, who were the people actually running this plus Valencia scam, the people who were in the position to do it, their bans have still been upheld. So this isn't an innocence vote for Juve. This isn't they're off scot-free. This is a, we'll give you a hand now and make it a little bit lighter for you. It feels a little bit like Mm. classic Italian football. Again, just a little bit crooked. And very, very, very finally in the bad times for Italian football, Napoli fans racially abusing layout and recording it and putting it oh, on the freaking yeah. internet. Just again, just no reaction in the Italian media, no reaction anywhere apart from social media. No one seems bothered in the FIGC or in Italy in general about this shit going on. It's just constant. Napoli, have you seen where your top scorer and striker is from? Yeah, like exactly. it, it just. You are morons beyond morons. It's just incredible. I just I want to bring it up every time it happens because it needs to be highlighted. Nobody mm-hmm. is highlighting it. Yet again, racist abuse in Italy towards black players, and it needs to stop. But we're going to stop there, <laughs> and we're going to go on yeah. to our weekend preview, and we're going to talk all things Serie A and Premier League. It's a very big weekend right after this break. Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast. And here we are. It's the final part of the show, and it is time for the Premier League and Serie A previews and FA Cup, of course. FA Cup semi-final weekend. Can you believe it? We're getting Mm. towards the end now, guys. We're getting towards the end. But we're going to start with the Premier League and 
I can't find the button for Premier League preview. I keep moving these every week, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Premier League preview. Um, it all starts tonight, as you guys listen, as Arsenal take on bottom of the league at home, Southampton. Adam, why am I so scared? Because it's Southampton. That's what it is. You just don't know <laughs> what their defence are going to do, right? So, um, yeah, it does feel like this is potentially a game where Arsenal might try and play some of their reserve players, perhaps. Oh, I'm thinking likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, maybe Kivo. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the rotation needs to happen because mm. otherwise you, you've got some big games coming up. Especially <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Got the with, biggest with game all... of the last 20 years of our... <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah. But it does um, feel like you need to rotate it, freshen it up a bit more mm. just to take the pressure off certain players, I feel. Um and probably not helped by this week's social media aspects on uh, oh, focusing Christ on mascots as well, right? So, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just very quickly on this. When I first watched the video, I was like, it is a bit weird none of the players are saying hello. But then I was like, oh, they're on their way to the game. They're about to start the game. They're obviously focused. They're signing the shirt. No issue. Fine. It's a mascot. She still would have met the players and talked to the players. I honestly didn't give it a second thought went back onto social media and Nick Knowles of all people Stokes puts the fire on. Absolutely two foot in Arteta in the Arsenal squad. I saw um, Goldstein, that wanker yeah. from TalkSport, was yeah. piping up about it to the point where it got to reporters were knocking on the family door asking if the girl could talk to them about how awful the Arsenal players treated her and how, how wrong she was until the dad popped up on Twitter and was like, what the hell has just happened? Guys, we had a fantastic day. My daughter's got Erdogan's shirt. She sat and talked to him. The players were lovely. She said it's the best day of her life. If anything, all of this noise has kind of made her less interested in Arsenal. So all this faux outrage has achieved is possibly scaring a girl away from football. So mm. congratulations, football Twitter. Jesus Christ. It is, really is the worst place on earth at times. It is just yeah. awful. Making outrage out of absolutely nothing. But... We're talking about the football. Hopefully, Arsenal win. Fingers bloody <laughs> crossed. It's bottom of the league at home. We have to win it. Um, moving on from Friday. Saturday, we have Fulham taking on Leeds. Leeds in terrible, terrible form, mm -hmm. conceding lots of goals. Javier Grazia under a bit of pressure already. Everyone yep. angry about Rutner, Rutter, um, who's had a pretty terrible start to his life at Leeds. This could be another difficult afternoon for them. That's the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, continue on Saturday, we have Crystal Palace taking on Everton in what I think still counts as a relegation battle. Crystal Palace now all the way up in 12th, only three mm. points behind Chelsea, find themselves nine points ahead of the relegation zone, whereas Everton are only outside of it on goal difference. Um, Adam, how do you see this game going? I can see Palace absolutely slapping Everton here. Yeah, I think so as well. If you've got the form of Eze and Elise and, you know, I think Everton's back line, I'm not used to dealing with a lot of pacey players against them. Not to used to dealing with a lot not, of things. No, exactly. <laughs> this is the thing. Um, but yeah, I feel they could get slapped around quite easily here. Um, it just depends on whether they take their foot off the gas. Mm. This is more Crystal Palace, but... I can't see it. They seem to be in resurgent form at the moment, and I think they just want to make sure 
that they are confirmed for next season, personally. So mm. another three points here going the way of Crystal Palace. Nice. And Everton, uh, Everton Twitter highlight of the week was an Everton <laughs> app that put up a request for their player of the season. Now, I went to the comments because I couldn't resist. And all it was was just, it should be the fans because at least we've turned up every fucking week, <laughs> which was just the same comment over and over again. <laughs> at least we've turned up every week. Absolutely love Can Everton you imagine Twitter. the ceremony? Uh, Rory even like yes and the, this year's winner is the fans because he turned up every week <laughs> <laughs> just booing themselves um, so I absolutely love Everton Twitter really did enjoy that um, continue on Saturday so we have Liverpool against Nottingham Forest in what still feels like a 1980s match whenever I see that fixture it will always be like 1985 in my head yeah. um, Liverpool against Nottingham Forest we have a battle for Europe as Brentford host Villa. Now, Brentford haven't been in the best form. They've not won in five, lost their last three. Um, Aston Villa still absolutely flying up in sixth. Um, do you think Villa can get a result at Brentford here? I think this is going to be a big one. Big game for Villa, I feel like, um, because I feel if they can win this, this is probably one of the easier so to speak, games that they've got in their kind of fixture mm-hmm. lists because looking at the next one thereafter, they're at home to Fulham, which is again Oof. favorable, I would say, potentially, but then away to Man United, away to Wolves, and then they've got some big ones thereafter. So at home to Spurs, away to Liverpool, at home to Brighton. Oh, that last game so, was beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Yes. These are the two games they need to win, basically. So yeah, I, I can see them winning. And Ollie Watkins on his old stamping ground as well. So he's oh, on fire at the moment as well. He is definitely going to bag one, isn't he? He's definitely going to yeah. bag one. Elsewhere on Saturday, this is still the, th- the three o'clock kickoffs. Um, Leicester City versus Wolves in what I feel like is a derby, but I'm not sure if it actually is a derby. Mid-Midlands um, derby? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, Leicester City versus Wolves. Wolves basically clambering themselves out of trouble. Mm-hmm. They are now... Um, four, five, six, seven points away from the relegation zone. Leicester, of course, firmly in there, two points away from safety. Um, Wolves revitalized, Leicester a bit lost. I can see Wolves getting a result here. What do you think? Yeah, I can definitely see Wolves getting a result, but I also feel like, you know, Smith will probably work on a lot of things during the week, um, potentially make them a bit more solid. I think Mm. there were certain passages of play against Man City that let down Leicester City in the overall scheme of how they played it. Um, Madison was one of the most disappointing performances I felt on the day Mm. well, personally. Uh, From the clips that I saw, there was one opportunity where he decided to take a chance when it was intercepted from Ruben Diaz whereas he should have just passed it or squared it to Ian Acho to tap in. So there's little things like that. I feel like then um, Dave Smith will just get the best out of them. So Mm -hmm. let's see what happens anyway. Nice. And on finishing up the Premier League weekend, sorry, had a bit of brain freeze there. Finishing Mm. up the Premier League weekend, we have on Sunday, Newcastle hosting Tottenham. Two teams up at the top but neither really in form. Um, Newcastle, well, lost their last one. Tottenham also lost their last game. Um, How do you see this one going? I think, where is it at again? It's at Newcastle. Newcastle. I think Newcastle get a result here and turn their form around, and not just because I don't like Spurs. No, I agree as well. I think it's the home form, that kind of fortress at St. James's Park that will help. And Stellini, I don't think is necessarily getting the tune out of this. I mean, 
it was kind of nicely summarized. What did they expect? This is a Conte style yeah. management duo yeah. here. So Stellini's just going to continue the same kind of form. I feel sorry for Harry Kane, who's still in that escape room that is White Hart Lane. <laughs> He'll find it one day. He'll find it one day. <laughs> it just, the key has written on it retirement. That's the only way <laughs> yeah. he's going to escape. Um, and the final game of the Premier League weekend is absolutely massive as West Ham take on Bournemouth. West Ham in 15th on 31 points. Bournemouth Mm. in 14th on 33 points. Both of these teams absolutely scrapping for their survival. West Ham only lost one in their last five. Bournemouth won their last two. This could be a really, really, really scrappy end-to-end um, goal fest game. I, I I predict a lot of goals here. How do you see this one going? Yeah, definitely. When it comes to these two sides as well, just looking at the previous, um, there's been plenty of goals. So just counting off the top of my head right now, but we're roughly talking about uh, 12 goals between the two sides in the last four fixtures between them mm. in the Premier League. So plenty of goals, mainly in favour of West Ham, it has to be said. Um, so yeah, looks like on the balance of it as well that West Ham have generally edged these kind of two clashes um, when it's been played between the two sides. Um, but Bournemouth much in resurgent right mood right now. Uh, Gary O'Neill needing to just get the points where he can. So I, I could see this being maybe a point shared potentially, Rory. I think that could be, especially off the back of tonight as well. Maybe West Ham need a few days to rest yeah. up as well. So a little bit leggy, maybe. Um, nice. Now before we go to Italy, we're going to very quickly do FA Cup semi-final weekend. Yes. It is here on Saturday at quarter to six European time. We have. Man City taking on Sheffield United. Now, all I'm asking Sheffield United is just take a few hamstrings with you. Just take a few hamstrings, take, <laughs> two, take a few ligaments, just take take whatever you can from this game, but let City go through maybe, but take as much as you can. How do you see this game going? Do you think City will rotate or do you think they're going to go full strength? I think they will go a little bit of full strength mm. slash there'll be a few reserve players coming into this. So, uh, a potentially run out for the likes of Foden, potentially if he's fit okay. for this match. Yeah. But yeah, I think Sheffield United will give them a run for their money. However, they do like to play expansive football. So mm. I don't know necessarily if they've got the ability to hold them out for, say, 90 plus minutes. So because we have to see a winner, don't we, in this match? So mm-hmm. yes, I, I feel like, yeah, it could be Man City winning here quite handsomely, maybe 3 0. I'm predicting. What about you? I think Sheffield United are going to push him. I think it's going to be like settled by the odd goal. I know this is going to be like famous last words now as they slap him 8-0, but I think like (laughs) Sheffield Sheffield United are kind of pretty safe in the top two now in the championship. Like they're, they're, uh, wait, seven points clear of Luton with a game in hand. They've basically confirmed their promotion. I think a lot of their focus is going to now be on this. And I think they would have been spending a long time preparing for this game, knowing that maybe they can rest a player because, you know, they've got a bit of grace in the league yeah. and they can come at this game full tilt. So I think they're really going to give it a game. We saw in the Blackburn, um, in the Blackburn Sheffield United mm. quarterfinals, well, how much quality they have. They've been showing quality in the championship like the, the whole season. So I think managers got them playing great football, as you said. I think they could really put up a challenge for City. I think, I think City go through, but I think it's going to be a very, very close game. And yeah, just just take 
I don't know, Rodri's hamstrings, please. I think he's <laughs> the key player. Just take his hamstrings. Nice. Um, and on Sunday, the final semi-final is Brighton against Manchester United. Now, this is the most intriguing of the semi-finals, I think. This is the one that really is like it could go either way. But Brighton's record against Manchester United recently has been very very good. We'll remember yes. the beginning of the year, earlier in the season, Brighton absolutely slapped him around. Um, how do you see this one going? I'm going to say Brighton gets to the final. I do as well. I, I do fancy Brighton. I think it's going to be written in the stars for Danny Welbeck to score a goal here. Um, and also, just to shut up a certain Andy McBride about talking about any potential chance of a triple, it's going to go down to a double and it's going to be just a one. So, uh, yeah. yes, that would be nice. And just for Deserby, I think he deserves this on the balance of the way they've been playing. And I feel like, you know, they might miss out on Europe, but this could be a means of getting into Europe. So yeah, yeah. let's hope that Brighton can make the final. Fingers crossed. I think the big thing for United is obviously these injuries have just come at the worst mm -hmm. possible time. Varane and Martinez both being out is absolutely massive. We've seen yeah. what's happened, <laughs> what's like <that's> <laughs> exactly. at the back in Seville. So I think this is really that is what's going to decide the game, really. And I think yep. it, even Brighton City in a final, I don't necessarily think City walk it. If you know what I mean, Brighton yeah, can beat yeah, any team on their day. So I really. Really, 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 really hope that Brighton do it. Fingers crossed. Um, Adam. Yes. Not guys. Adam, it is time for the Serie A preview. Are you ready to it take is. us through? I'm There's ready. Some nice games this weekend. There, there is some, some nice juicy games. ones. And we start off for you listeners on a Friday evening where we have got Hellas Verona versus Bologna. Now, on the basis of this, Rory, we'd kind of maybe talk up the chances of Bologna. However, Hellas Verona are three points off survival now mm -hmm. they might be dragging Spezia into this um they've got the benefit of playing at home I mean it's an intriguing game it has to be said I mean how do you see this going because Tiago Motta has been doing some great stuff with Bologna um it could be argued that maybe they should have got more out of that AC Milan game last Saturday but yes how do you see this playing out um, I think Verona have looked a bit better recently. They're starting mm. to show a bit of fight. They've seen that, you know, if survival is a possibility, it's not good because it looked for a while like it was gone. It looked for a while like it was confirmed. But as you said, getting it down to three points, I think they're really going to put a scrap up here. I think Bologna in general, they've done really well against the bigger teams, but then maybe drop points mm. against the teams where they should be winning. And this is like often the difference between eighth and a European place, if you know what I mean. So I think mm. there is the possibility for Bologna to kind of lose focus and drop a few points here. So I'm going to say Verona at least get a point. Mm, interesting. Well, we'll move into Saturday's games. As you uh, nicely know with Serie A, it always has a triple effect on Saturday. So we've got the S teams, the teams beginning with S starting off. So Salernitana versus Sassuolo. The big game, though, Rory, is at 5 p.m. UK time, which is Lazio taking on Torino. Good game there. Potentially some way of maybe Sari stamping out that second place, especially on the form that it had been. But Juric, we know, can get a tune out of his players, especially for these kind of games. How do you see this playing? Um, I think um, Lazio see this one through. We've seen them. And it'll be interesting with the pressure of Juve there now, mm. with that kind of like, oh, okay. We, we, we've got another com competitor here. But I think we've seen Lazio incredible defence. 
Torino maybe struggled to score goals, only scored 31 goals in 30 games this season. So I think they're not going to be troubling Lazio's watertight defence. Yes. Well, let's see how that goes. And then at 7.45pm, we have got Sampdoria taking on Spezia. Now, wouldn't be a box office hit without these two teams, right, Rory? But Spezia do need a result. It could be a result that condemns Sampdoria, not this week, but maybe another game away from being officially relegated. Uh, So we'll wait and see how that pans out. Then we move on to Sunday. So we have got Empoli taking on Inter in the early kickoff, 11.30 p.m. or a.m. kickoff, should I say, UK time. Inter, can we see them bring that Champions League form to this game, Rory? I think we were just talking about it. I I think Empoli are going to get a result here. I think Inter have completely taken their eyes off the league. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a huge hangover, both metaphorically and physically, potentially, to qualifying <laughs> for the semi-finals. And the, the Milan play has been so yeah. fo- the interplay has been so focused on that semi-final that I think Empoli can get a result here. We've seen them pull off a few surprises this season. Very good team on their day. I think Empoli could get a result here. Good stuff. And then I've got a particular game that I'm keeping my eye out on on Sunday, and that is Monza versus Fiorentina. Again, Fiorentina in action tonight. But a Monza side that is very much rejuvenated under Bunga Bunga. Uh, but we will see how that goes. Uh, but more to the point, Rory, I want to kind of allude us to the late kickoff on Sunday night because we've got Juventus taking on Napoli. So that is the game that a few weeks ago we kind of said maybe Napoli confirms winning the title mm. in Turin. It's probably not going to be this weekend. However, how do we feel this game is going to play out? I think Napoli are kind of a bit of a wounded animal at the minute, right? Mm. They've kind of been on a bit of a rough run of form. They've just gone out of the Champions League. I think this is their chance to reassert their dominance. Hopefully, Osimhen is fully fit. um, And those minutes in his legs haven't completely wiped him out because he did not look fit against Milan. Um, I think this is a chance for Napoli to reassert their dominance. Juventus fresh out of just scraping through Europe. I think it's not going to be a massively fast-paced game, but we saw Napoli slap Juve in Naples. So I'm going to say Napoli get a narrow win. I'm going to say 2-1 Napoli um, as Juve score early, but Napoli come back. Very nice, very nice. And for those other fixtures that are taking place on Sunday, I'll just run through them quickly. So we've got Udinese versus Cremonese and Milan versus Lecce. Before we see on Monday night, a very big game, Rory, Atalanta taking on Roma. Atalanta needing the points to maybe get them into sixth spot ahead of Inter, depending on the results. Um, But also, interestingly, Rory, I don't know if it's been reported in Italy, Rasmus Hoyland potentially being in talks with Chelsea as Uh, Todd Bowley goes about vacuuming all of the talents. But hopefully Rasmus can see what's happening at Stamford Bridge and go, no, my future is in Bergamo. I stay here and complete the projects. But more importantly, how do you see this game going? Do you think anything about Roma's performance tonight might play a part in how they Well, they are currently, they've just gone through extra time, right? They've won 4-1, or they are winning 4-1 now um, in extra time. Shirawi and Lorenzo Pellegrini getting the goals. That is a lot of miles in the legs. That is a lot of miles in the legs. But they do have until Monday. So they have a bit of time. They can have a day off. They can have two days off maybe and recover. Um, 
But I think, yeah, we might see the results of Roma getting through um, on the pitch here. Atalanta, it's a weird one. They've kind of become the forgotten men of this season. I feel like I've just they not have, really talked yeah. about them in a while because they've just completely petered out. Um, and on the Hoyland thing, his agent would have rocks in his head if he sends uh, Hoyland <laughs> to Chelsea. At the moment, yeah. you need to keep him anywhere but that club at the moment. But I mm. think... Um, I'm going to say oh, Roma are so hard to predict, aren't they? Roma are so yeah. hard to predict. Atalanta's home record is weirdly, really bad. Um, so I'm going to say Roma get a win. That's probably going to happen. So, folks, that is your Serie A wrap-up. We are done for this week, guys. That is everything. There was a lot to cover. There's always more than we think, you know. Yeah. Um, but... As always, um, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. And as always, please follow us on Instagram at Italian. Uh, no, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. How am I still not getting this right? Instagram <laughs> at Anglo Italian Pod. On Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. Find us on YouTube at The Anglo Italian Pod. Like and subscribe. You should already be here. Just hit it down here. Um, and it's time for our customary quote of the week to send you off. And this week, it can only come from one person. It is, of course, Stefano Pioli, who says, yes, the fireworks woke me up, but it's okay. I expected nicer fireworks, if I'm being honest. Have a good weekend, guys. We will see you on Monday. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.